Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Elon Musk details drastic changes coming to the way current autopilot works. The New York Times writes a controversial new article about Tesla and the Chevy Bolt. LA residents might have their homes powered at times by a new Tesla Powerwall installation. An oil company executive gets sued for impersonating Elon Musk in an effort to get confidential information. Mobilize breakup with Tesla gets ugly and a lot more in a hugely busy week. Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, episode number 59 for September 18th, 2016, aka my final podcast as a 35-year-old. Didn't mean to freak you out there for a second. My birthday is on Tuesday the 20th. I'm looking forward to it. My age 35 season, as we as we would say in the, the baseball world, has treated me well, uh, you know, mostly by... I mean, this this podcast uh, took has taken mostly place during my uh, since I've been 35, but uh, it's been a good year. Looking forward to the end of my mid 30s because like 36 is kind of the last year you can say mid 30s because that 37 is like late 40s. But if you're shopping for me, well, there is a Patreon up there if you like the show. No, uh, no, really, I'll be. Um, I'll be going out for some delicious pizza at uh, one of my favorite pizza joints, so I'm looking forward to doing that. But otherwise, yeah, you know, it's a weekday birthday. I'll probably head to In-N-Out for lunch. That's uh, I love In-N-Out out here in California, but uh, it'll be a work day otherwise. But for now, for today, for th- right now, this is probably going to be one of the busiest shows in quite some time. Just a ton of Tesla news to get to. And I started with Elon's delayed... Finally happened the uh, the 8.0 announcement of the software, the firmware for current Teslas, which is you know big revamp of the the UI, uh, and it's highlighted by this is they actually had a, a media conference call regarding the changes to autopilot. Now Electrek had already scooped all this, but it was great to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, I actually was able to get on the media call with Elon Musk, uh, which was great. Um, actually, I guess I'm getting a little ahead of, my, a little ahead of myself. So firmware 8.0, uh, which you're about to hear Elon talk a lot about. I've got a bunch of clips of Elon discussing it. It is autopilot focused. And basically, they're effectively switching autopilot from being a camera system that's above your rearview mirror there, uh, if you have a Tesla, the camera system aided by that radar on the lower front bumper of the car to a radar system aided by camera through some, through some serious software breakthroughs. The end result, according to Elon, is a car that can not only take highway off-ramps and interchanges by itself, but it's going to be a lot safer in emergency scenarios because it's going to be able to do things like see through rain and fog and it's going to be able to bounce radar signals under the car in front of you so that it can see if the car in front of the car in front of you is doing a panic stop. So uh, let me play some clips. In fact, a bunch of clips from the call with Elon. I recorded it. Uh, Now, 
I, I have to apologize in advance because the recording you're about to hear is me literally recording my speakers because I wasn't sure if Tesla was going to put the call up on their website to download in a, you know, in a pure form later. And guess what? They didn't, or they haven't as of my recording here on Saturday night. So uh, I'm actually really glad that I recorded it myself because I, I actually couldn't find an archive of it anywhere else. So at least I had my own copy, but the apology comes from the fact that uh, you hear me typing, taking notes from time to time when he says uh, his most interesting things, and the occasional cough, which that I feel really bad about, but it's, uh, I mentioned last week my asthma was, was bothering me. Well, I ended up having to seek treatment this week, so I was still getting over, well, actually, I hadn't even been to the doctor yet, so still had the asthma bothering me. There were a few coughs in there, so please pardon my typing, my mouse clicking that you'll hear a bit of, and the occasional cough, but... Um, I guess one other note I'll add before I start playing clips is that I, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I can't, not really, I'm not like upset or anything, but you know, I, when you, when you get on that media call, it was actually the first one I've sat in on. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an app basically that's running. And if you're in this, you're in this web conference, uh, just audio only, and you can, uh, you can virtually raise your hand. You just click a little button that says raise your hand if you have a question. So before the thing even started, when I got in there, I went ahead and clicked it. I had a couple of good questions written down. Like, well, what I thought were pretty good questions. I will, I will tell you what my questions are, and you can, you can critique them if you like. But So my two questions for Elon, I figured I'll, I'll do two in case the, one of them gets asked. I wanted to ask Elon, do these software improvements meaning the autopilot, the, the radar software autopilot improvements, do these software improvements reduce or in any way affect the amount of hardware needed for level four autonomous driving? I thought that was a pretty good question. Nobody asked it, including me. For uh, And then this, the, the other question I had just in case was, I, you know, he, this wasn't about Model 3 at all, but I figured worst case I can ask, what is the level of autonomy targeted for Model 3 upon its release? He probably wouldn't have answered that, but in case my other more relevant question got asked by someone else, I would have one as a backup. But, um, you know, they, I, it was about an hour conference call, and I get that, believe me, I, I'm, registered as, uh, I'm registered with them officially as IGN because that's how I've sort of gotten on their media list initially, even though they do know about the podcast. And so, you know, I, I get that IGN is, is uh, we're big in the video game world, but we're at the bottom of Tesla's priority list. You know, they've got... Reuters and the AP and Jalopnik and uh, Electrek and all these outlets that, that you know, I, I get it. I get that I, I know my place in this case. So it's like, I, I get that they didn't get to me. The only thing that kind of annoyed me was at the very end of the call, the, the moderator, the PR person in charge, who's a, a person I don't know, said, uh, okay, well, that we've, uh, we're just about out of time. Let's take, let's take one more follow-up from so-and-so, from basically from somebody at an outlet we'd already heard from. And I was like, oh, come on, I had a, I had a fresh good question. Like, give me that one instead of the follow-up. But I didn't get on the air. I did not get to ask Elon a question. But I guess I'm inching ever closer to getting to ask him a question. So maybe next time, who knows. Uh, sorry, that, that just rambled on too long. Now, uh, before I start, one last note. I would definitely advise reading the blog that Elon put up on Tesla's site, but here we go. This should cover most of it. So uh, the first thing that was uh, that Elon mentioned 
which jumped out at me right away, was he's describing what this new system could avoid. And listen carefully to what he says. So, so the exciting thing is that even if the vision system doesn't recognize what, what the object is, because it could be a very strange-looking vehicle, it could be a multi-car pileup, it could be uh, a truck crossing the road, um, um, it could be, it really could be anything, an alien spaceship, um, uh, a, uh, a pile of, 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 sort of junk metal. It, it doesn't matter, what, you know, that, that fell off the back of a truck. Uh, it actually does, it does not matter what the object is. It just knows that there's something um, quite, there's something dense that is going to hit, and it should not hit that. Um, it doesn't need to know what that thing is. So that obviously was an indirect reference to the fatal autopilot accident that claimed the life of Joshua Brown. Uh, and in fact, this would come up much more directly later in the call. Uh, but elsewhere, here's what this new autopilot system can do that the old camera-based system could not do. It, it, it's, it, it's really, I think, going to be... Um, you know, far beyond what, what people expect, uh, because the, the being radar, it, it can see through rain, fog, snow, um, uh, dust, um, and it can trace that quite easily. And um, so, so even if there was something that you're if you're driving down the road, um, and, and the visibility was was very low, um, and there was a, like a big multi-car pileup or something like that. A head view, you can't see it, um, but the radar would, and it would initiate braking then in time to avoid your car being added to the multi-car pileup. Um, in fact, going to an additional level of sophistication, um, we're, we're confident we can use the radar uh, to look um, beyond the car in front of you uh, by bouncing the radar signal off the road and, and around the car, um, and being able to, to process that echo uh, by using the unique signature of, the, of each radar pulse, um, as well as the time of flight of the photon, um, to determine that what we're seeing is in fact an echo in front of the car um, that, that's, that's in front of you. Um, so even if, if that car um, would, would, um, even if there was, there was something where, where that was obscured directly, both in vision and radar, we can use the bounce effect of the radar to look to look in front of that car and still break. Um, so it takes it even to, an, to another level um, of, of safety. Now, unfortunately, this is a thing, sadly, Elon has to say, because I think he even he's realized, hey, wait a second, Every single incident is getting massive amounts of press. This is a little unfair. So here's Elon clearly emphasizing the fact that this is never going to be perfect. Now, I do want to emphasize this does not mean perfect safety. Um, this, is, this is by no means... Perfect safety is, is really an impossible goal. Um, the, uh, it's, it's really about improving the probability of safety. That's the only thing that's really ever possible. 
Um, as we approach the law of large numbers, as the law of large numbers becomes more and more applicable, and, and we have, you know, I think we have 160,000 cars or something like that. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll soon have 200,000 cars. Um, eventually, we'll have millions of cars. Uh, millions of cars are doing, doing billions of miles per year. Um, and so that even if something is for one in a billion chance, um, you know, there the, the won't be, there won't ever be zero fatalities. There won't ever be zero injuries. Um, you know, there's, um, there's just, so the world is a very big place and there's a huge number of people and a huge number of circumstances. So it's really just about minimizing the probability of injury, minimizing the probability of death, not um, um, sort of the, the, the illusion of perfect safety. Um, but I, I, do, I am highly confident that this will um, be, be quite, a, quite a substantial improvement um, by using motor-only braking with fleet learning. Here's an interesting thing that, that uh, I would not have expected to hear, but it actually makes perfect sense when you hear Elon explain it. And he's, he's talking about where the problems with autopilot uh, have occurred with regard to the type of people using it. So listen, listen to this. Because um, one of the sort of ironies that we've seen, it's sort of, it's, it's counterintuitive. And I think a lot, a lot of people in, some of the some of the people in the on the consumer um, sort of watchdog side, and in some cases in, on the regulatory side, have assumed that the, you know, the autopilot accidents are more likely for, for for new users. In fact, it is the opposite. The autopilot accidents are far more likely for for expert users. It, it's not it's not the it's not the neophytes. It's the it's the experts. Um, they get they get very comfortable. With it and repeatedly ignore the the, the cars work warnings and, and effectively it comes like like a reflex action where the car will, will beep at them they'll tug the wheel beep at them they'll tug the wheel and it just it's it's and it becomes an unconscious reflex action um, so so we'll see half a dozen or more um, sometimes sometimes as much as uh, you know, there's ten warnings in in the space of an hour that are just just continuously ignored by the by the, the driver, um, and so we really want to avoid that um, that situation. Here we've heard Elon in the past reference what beta actually means with autopilot, but here he kind of gives a slightly different answer than he has in the past that I thought was was interesting. Should point out. Um, I mean, the, the reason we use the word beta on autopilot is just to to reduce people's comfort level with turning it on. It's not really beta. It's just that if you if something is described very clearly as beta, that you're you're less likely to be complacent if you turn it on than if it is not described as beta. So it is really um, in, with with the intent of diminishing people's complacency that we call it beta, not because it is. Nonetheless, for ADO. Um, we've ramped it up to an even greater level of testing, um, and we're, we're gradually expanding um, to our customers in our early access program, um, which is a sort of a um, roughly a thousand customers around the world that work with us closely and provide feedback. 
system and where it's working and where it's not. As for when we can expect 8.0 to roll out, well, he's got an answer for that. Like it's um, almost there, so I think we're maybe one to two weeks away from rolling it out to all of our customers. By the way, he's since tweeted that barring any last-minute setbacks, it's actually not even one to two weeks, he expects the worldwide rollout of 8.0 to begin this Wednesday. That's the 21st. So look for that. Uh, I don't know where those uh, firmware updates tend to start or if there's any sort of rhyme or reason to them, but uh, for for you Tesla owners, look for it starting this week. Uh, now, here, this was an interesting question from a, uh, from a uh, journalist who, who lives in an area with moose and deer. He, he, Elon was asked, what about things like moose and deer? Is this new radar system going to be able to see that? And Elon had a typically, uh, the, the Elon sense of humor comes out a bit in this answer. Oh, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. Actually, it should work for... It should work for something like a moose, um, it, but it, it, because it just it, it's uh, a moose is quite quite a big mass, um, but it, it may not work for say um, a small deer. You know, like if a small deer, it probably would not trigger the trigger breaking, but it, but a moose, uh, I think I think would. I'm not 100 sure of that, but I think um, I think it would trigger on a moose. Um, yeah, um, we, have, we have a lot of uh, like customers in Canada and, and other places where there are, there are sort of moose-sized creatures. Um, so I think we'll we'll get um, you know, get a good information on that. And um, and, and obviously, you, you definitely want to you definitely want to break for a moose because they're, they're very big and um, can yeah cause a lot of harms. Here's Elon describing just how safe he believes the Model S and X are relative to other cars in the road with the upgrades offered by this new radar-based autopilot system. Radar, inclusive of, of the others, probably cuts the accident rate in more than in half. But that's my guess. Um, so the, the, I, I mean, I think it would make the Model S by far the, the Model S and the X, but, but I mean, by far the safest car on the road. Not even close. Not, I don't think there would be a car that, that is even with a, within a multiple of, of the S and the X. Um, so I think I think it really will be required. I think it may it may be better than than, than a fifty percent reduction. Um, and, and it's important to note that this will improve over time due to fleet learning. So we would expect a steady improvement over time. You remember I mentioned earlier that the uh, Joshua Brown autopilot accident came up. Well, here a reporter did ask Elon directly, do you think this would have saved Josh Brown's life? And here is Elon Musk's answer to that question. We believe it would have. And so the truck uh, would have been seen by the radar only and braking would have been a game. Um. These things cannot be said with absolute certainty, uh, but we believe it is very likely that yes, it would have. Um, and the reason is that it would have, it would see it would see a, a large metal object across the road, um, uh, and knowing that uh, there is no road sign, there's no overhead road sign in that position, um, 
this this would therefore not be a whitelisted situation, um, and uh, impact probability would be assessed as high, and so it would break. This was a very human moment from Elon. Uh, he was asked in reference to you know he tweeted that it had been a difficult couple of weeks, and here's Elon. Uh, elaborating on on just what he meant by that, and and it really kind of gets driven home. Like, listen for this awkward pause at the end of his answer, and it just it I could I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I could really I really just felt the guy's pain. Like he's really he's clearly been just dealing with the weight of the world on his shoulders. L- listen to this. Um, it, it's just been a, a you know a, a, a lot. Um... You know, we're still getting a lot of flack for the whole Solar City thing, which I think, um, you know, I think is unreasonable. Um, uh, and um, you know, there's, there's a lot of effort to solving autopilot. There's a lot of effort on the Model Three development um, and getting the factory, bring up the sort of the factory of the Model Three, um, um, and, and yeah, and then the, the rocket exploding. Um, Thank you. Our yeah. next question is from Will One Lorraine. of the worst weeks ever, really. Now, I think just a, just recently on the podcast, I feel like I I read something. I read a quote from Elon discussing his uh, lack of affection for lidar-based ra- uh, autopilot system, like a you know a self-driving system. Here's Elon sort of detailing that a little bit more of exactly why he doesn't care for lidar. Um. I, I can answer the last okay. part, which is we do not uh, we, we, we do not anticipate using lidar. I mean, you just said everybody assumes what lidar is. Lidar is essentially um, an active active photon generator in the visible spectrum. Uh, radar is uh, active photon generation in the essentially the the radio spectrum. Um, and um, but but lidar is, is is not does not it does not penetrate occlusion. So it does not it does not penetrate rain fog. Uh, Dust um, and snow, whereas a radar does, um, and rad- radar also bounces, but lidar doesn't doesn't bounce very well. So um, you can't do the look look in front of look, look look in front of the car in front of you thing. So I think it, the obvious thing is to use is to use the radar, um, and um, and not use lidar. Frederick from Electric asked Elon if we're if we're uh, reaching the limit. Of the current Tesla's processing power in this uh, in this crazy new radar-based algorithm-based autopilot setup, so uh, here's here's Elon's answer to that. I, I think with with this upgrade, in terms of a of a macro of, of, of major improvements, yes, we are for us reaching the limit. Um, but it is important to emphasize that the fleet building will continue. Um, and the intelligence of how that fleet learning is applied to the car will continue to improve. So although we're reaching the limit of the hardware, I think we're still quite far from reaching the limit of the um, the, the um, algorithmic intelligence on the car. And, and of course, anything that's done on our servers, uh, we, we're not compute constrained or, or space constrained in any way. So I would imagine that, it, it, in fact, I would, quite said that it will continue to improve quite a lot just because the software and the data will improve quite a lot, uh, but, you know, quite a lot, an enormous amount. Um, 
So it will continue to improve for years to come, even with the existing hardware. So based on that answer, that leads me to believe that maybe when the S and X start shipping with the Autopilot 2.0 hardware, which according to rumors from Electrek could happen very, very soon, I wonder if those cars will also be packing a beefier CPU in them too. That's going to be uh, it's going to be a little tougher to prove than than you know hard the autopilot hardware. You can just see it like okay, there's an extra camera, there's more sensors, but CPU is going to be a little tougher to prove. But I do wonder if uh, if that is where an upgrade is going to take place. Here is Elon describing in detail for those of you that have Teslas or even for those of us that don't yet. Elon actually went ahead and spelled out exactly what the requirements for putting your hands on the wheel are. And it turns out it's a it's sort of a tiered answer. So this is a little long, but listen to this. This is Elon describing when you can keep your hands off the wheel in, a, in an autopilot-enabled Tesla and when you need to, uh, when you can take them off. Well, um, it actually depends... Um, on how fast you're going. So um, if you're going in very slow stop-and-go traffic, um, we're talking about, um, let's say you're, I believe the threshold is uh, about eight miles an hour, um, you, you can actually take your hands off the steering wheel for an indefinite period of time. Um, I mean, this is just, it's just going, it's sort of, you know, this is where you're, you're stopping, and, and, and you know, it's at times when you're basically at walking speed, um, on a, on average, on the, on the freeway, then that there is there's no limit on that because I, I don't think that there should be. That, that, by the way, that limit corresponds also to the limit for um, the regulatory limit for um, automatic parallel parking, um, sort of twelve kilometers an hour, roughly eight, uh, eight miles an hour. Um, then, uh, and so this is this is a complicated answer. It's not it's 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 not um, it's not some simple. Oh, it's it's you know two minutes or something like that. Um, there's um, and the um, if, if you're below 45 miles an hour, um, in theory, the longest you could go is is about uh, five minutes. Um, but uh, but actually, that there are hands-on wheel requirements as soon as the car um, has the detects uh, lateral acceleration perhaps above a certain threshold. So it's, it's likely to be, you have to be on a very straight road uh, below 45 miles an hour to, to last five minutes. Um, and then um, if you're above 45 miles an hour, uh, this, is, this is a complicated answer, so I'm not sure how you put this in an article. <laughs> um, the, um, it, it, it's, it's one minute if you are if not if you don't have a uh, a car to follow, and there's it's three minutes if you do have a car to follow, um, because the the accuracy is greater if you have a car to follow than if you don't. Um, and um, <coughs> yeah, but but I, I think that the the thing that will probably be most effective um, is um, the limit, you know. For, 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 for expert users, which is where we tend to see the, uh, actually the biggest issue, it's not, again, it's not with the new users. The new users of autopilot are incredibly tentative. Like they're, they're, um, they pay attention very closely. They're, um, uh, even intermediate users, the same thing. It's the, it's actually 
the people who know it best, ironically, um, where this, um, where, where we see some of the biggest challenges. And so the, the limitation of, of, of only three audible warnings per hour, which is really, that's a fair number of warnings, but, 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 but we see people just engage in reflex action where they'll, they'll get an audible warning every three minutes. And, and they'll just tug the steering wheel, but not actually um, pay attention to the road. Um, that um, I think will be most effective in addressing the uh, the, the learned response, the the, the sort of in, the, the instinctive "I want the I want the beep to go away" response when they tug the steering wheel. Uh, it will only allow people to do that three times in an hour, um, and and therefore the learned behavior should be should be better. It's also we're going to provide a visual indicator. Uh, where the perimeter of the instrument panel um, um, lights up with an increasing pulse rate um, before giving you the audible warning, so that the visual warning um, allows you to, it's just a reminder to pay attention to the road before you get the audible warning. Here's uh, another another look at uh, Elon saying that he personally tests this stuff himself. He is, uh, he, he doesn't just wait to see what his team comes up with. He is sleeves up and he is he's rolled up and he, he's down and dirty with everything. So here he's talking about who he how he personally tests the alpha versions of uh, of all this stuff. And I I, mean, I, you know, I, I beta test a tr- true beta test, uh, alpha test really the car, the software personally. Um, so um, you know I, I believe strongly in, in, in sort of eating from the fruit bowl myself and making sure it's good before anyone else uses it. So, I I mean, I use software on an alpha basis just to confirm it's good. Um, And I found that I I really feel like we've struck a great balance between improving the safety. It's not even a balance. I think it's, it's both going to improve the safety and improve the usefulness and comfort level of the system. And that's a very difficult thing. To, it's very difficult to do both. Elon here commenting that uh, even low levels of autonomous driving, such as the level two that Tesla has now, is awesome because, well, he, he has a very altruistic answer to this because every little bit helps is effectively what he's saying here. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel quite strongly that as soon as you have data that says that uh, autonomy improves safety on even if it, even hypothetically, even if it only made it one percent safer or two percent safer, um, I mean, there's 1.2 million people that die in automotive accidents a year. One um, percent is 12,000 lives saved. Um, and I, I, I would not. I, I, I think it would be, at least from my standpoint, I, think, <coughs> I, I would not. I, I think it would be morally wrong to. Uh, withhold um, functionality that improves safety um, simply in order to avoid criticism or, or for fear of, uh, you know, being embroiled in lawsuits. And the Josh Brown accident came up one more time on the call. Elon was asked if Josh Brown's death was effectively the catalyst for this, for this massive autopilot system change uh, at the software level. And Elon uh, doesn't really directly say one way or the other. The time frame that he gives kind of puts it in that ballpark, but uh, but he elaborates on that a little bit. So here, 
it's something that, that, that I've wanted to do for, for a while, probably, um, uh, well, really for, for since late last year. Um, but, but I was always told that, no, it's not possible. You can't do it. It's not going to work. Um, nobody else has made it work. Um, software's too hard. Um, the sensor's not good enough. And, um, but, you know, I really pushed hard on questioning all those assumptions in these last, you know, last three or four months. And so there's got to be a way to make this thing work. And, 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 and um, and now we believe that it, it, that there is. I'm confident that there is. It, it's a very hard problem. No one else has solved this, and, and no one could without having all their cars connected and fleet burning. It's not. It's simply not possible. And ending the call with media, he uh, he sort of sums up and describes. He actually puts a, a number, puts a level of improvement, and what what kind of improvement. Elon Musk believes this to be over the system that everybody is is driving right now. You know, I, I, I really, I think this is really going to make make a difference. Um, but but I, I mean, I do want to emphasize that uh, it, it, it's it's not going from from bad to good. I think things actually are already they're already good. They're already better than um, than than if there wasn't autopilot. This is very important to appreciate. This is not. Going from bad to good, it's going from good to I think great, um, and, um, and 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 like my, my personal guess it, it, it is that ultimately this will probably be a threefold improvement in safety. Um, it, that that's approximately where it would asymptote uh, with the current hardware system, uh, which which I think is is a wonderful thing, um, and um, and and. Um, not a lot of time. I mean, when I say it's a long time, I mean, for me, that's like what I think will be there next year kind of thing. It's not, not far. Um, and, and the great thing is it doesn't require any additional hardware. It's just software over there update. It doesn't even require somebody to bring their car into service. It's just their car can be in Timbuktu and we would be able to update it. Um, so uh, I think this is a um, really good solution. Um, and... Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's um, you know perhaps something that that other comics would um, would think about using as well, uh, you know, or pursuing a similar path because I think it's going to be very good for them. All right, thanks everyone. Appreciate being online. So those are the highlights of the autopilot the 8.0 firmware media call with Elon Musk. It was fun to sit on it, sit in on it, <laughs> sit on it. That's nope. Can't sit on it. I guess you can sit in on it. Anyway, uh, yeah, it was it was nice to be a part of. Bum that I didn't get to ask a question, but maybe next time. But still, hopefully, again, apologies for my typing, clicking, and occasional cough. But uh, it is the best I've gotten. I hope. I, I mean, it's figure it's better to hear straight from Elon than hear hear me sort of reading his transcripts for you. But uh, let's move on now. So the show is just getting started, I promise you, as you can see from your timestamp from however long this episode ended up being. Uh, you may have heard about Chevy and the Bolt getting a, uh, a, a new range figure, 238 miles EPA rating on their range. And Mike from Charlottesville called in to comment on it, and he... Uh, he, he echoes my thoughts here. So let's go to Mike from Charlottesville. Take a call. We haven't done this in a little while, taking a call in the middle of the show. Mike, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Mike from Charlottesville again. 
So I just wanted to weigh in on the GM Chevy Bolt announcement. So it's been said that it's going to have an estimated range of 238 miles. So that means I think it's really good for the Tesla Model 3 because I really think Tesla will push to be to get the base model above that to be competitive. So I just wanted to weigh in and see what you think. Thanks. Mike, I could not agree with you more. Uh, competition is good. And, and here's the thing. Elon is loving this too, by the way. This is what Elon wants. And remember, he, he has always said 215 miles EPA range minimum for the Model 3. So now we'll see what he has left up his sleeve. I, I mean, I suspect he is not going to allow Chevy to top him uh, on this, but I'll tell you, even if the three ends up with an EPA rating, you know, for the base battery, obviously, even if it ends up at 220 or 225, I, I, I can't imagine anyone who's on the Model 3 reservation list now is going to be jumping ship for the Bolt, at least not because of that number, not because of the EPA number. If any Model 3 reservation holders jump, actually jump ship for the Bolt, I suspect it'll be a time issue. You know, the fact that maybe they can get a bolt much, much sooner than their Model 3, depending where they are on the Model 3 reservation list. But because the, the 3 has too much going for it over the bolt from, you know, for the same money, luxury, performance, safety, probably. I mean, Elon already made safety a big part of the, the presentation for Model 3. Cargo capacity, remember the bolt has a bunch of stuff in the front of the car where there is nothing but a frunk in a Model 3 and, of course, in an S or an X. So, and then, of course, the supercharger network, which I've talked on this podcast before about how I think that is that is the, not the secret weapon for Tesla because everybody knows about it, but I think that is the thing that no one's talking about with the Bolt yet that could hurt that car a good bit. You know, it... That car is going to do a great job of removing day-to-day range anxiety for people in the city, but that car, I think, is going to have a much harder time than the Model 3 becoming a primary car in a household because of its slower charging standard and the lack of a high-speed charging network. But again, this is a good thing. Whether you're a Bolt fan or a Tesla fan, or an EV fan. So Mike, I'm with you, uh, and I agree that I think it's gonna push Tesla to go higher. Thank you for the call. On this topic, here's where it has to get a little, a little. Uh, this is where it gets a little salty, unfortunately. You probably heard about this this week because this story made the round. Several awesome listeners sent this to me. The first one to do so was Tim Shelton. You may have heard about the New York Times article this week with the headline, How Did GM Create Tesla's Dream Car First? It was a story that uh, it's by Farad Manju, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I think it's terrible. Obviously, I do have a Tesla fanboy bias, but he, listen, to, listen here, I'm going to read you a few excerpts. I encourage you to read the whole thing, but uh, I'm going to read you a few excerpts here. Here's one. The very fact that there is a waiting list for the Model 3 highlights its fundamental hardship. Tesla paved the way for the broad acceptability of electrics, but the Model 3 is at this point merely a concept car. GM's Bolt goes on sale this year, and the company will probably be able to make enough to satisfy everyone who wants one. 
where do I even start with that statement? So the waiting list is a hardship? Well, in the sense of trying to build enough cars, okay. But uh, I think Chevy would trade places with Tesla in a second. Chevy would love to have 400,000 people on a waiting list to have a bolt built for them. But there are not 400,000 people. We don't know how many there will be yet because you, know, you can't pre-order a bolt as of now that I'm aware of. But that is just, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And to call the Model 3 a concept car, well, in technical terms, sure it is. But there are alphas that exist. They've been photographed on the roads. I mean, the, the Bolt is still a production car too, by the way. It, by, or rather, a, a concept car, pardon me. By his own logic, by his own rules, the Bolt is a concept car as well. And uh, him saying that Chevy will probably be able to make enough to satisfy everyone who wants one, he's trying to refer there to Chevy having a much more mature manufacturing process than Tesla does. And of course, you know, we know that Elon is, has put out these crazy, extraordinarily optimistic production goals. He's trying to say, the author is trying to say that, well, yeah, Chevy will be able to make as many as people want. But uh, what what I what I think that actually is is uh, saying that it's almost Freudian is that uh, Chevy will be able to make enough because there aren't going to nest there aren't going to be a, a huge backlog of people that want one. There'll be plenty of people that want one. It's the, by all accounts, it's a pretty decent car. The early reports on it are that it's fine. It's a good car, but uh, just a just a terrible terrible paragraph there. So here we go. Next next excerpt. The author writes, It's a delicious irony. Cocky billionaire makes grand promises in a blog post. He's referring to Elon's secret master plan, the first one from 2006. Ten years later, he gets his wish in the worst way. No. No, Farad. No. Because as we've already... Elon has made this clear a million times, but you are... You refuse to acknowledge it because this article is nothing but fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it, this article comes off like you are in the Koch brothers' pocket for writing it. Uh, but guess what? This is exactly what Elon wants. This is why the S existed. When Tesla, when the Model S won Motor Trend's Car of the Year unanimously at the end of 2012... Elon Musk said in his sort of acceptance speech, I hope people copy us. I may be slightly paraphrasing there. That is not necessarily a direct... I'm going off of memory. But that is what Elon Musk said, and that's exactly what Chevy is doing. Farad is horribly twisting uh, twisting things for his own ridiculous agenda here. Here's another excerpt. Can Tesla compete with these advantages? Uh, he's referring again to sort of the manufacturing and all the, you know, te- the, the infrastructure of GM. Tesla fanboys, parentheses, they exist, might point out that the Model 3 will have some luxury appointments that the Bolt lacks, including the option to, up, up to upgrade to Tesla's semi-autonomous driving system and access the company's network of quick-charging stations. Tesla also has brand cachet and exclusivity that eludes Chevy. And when its battery factory is running at scale, it should be able to produce batteries at a lower price, 
bumping up its profitability. So the, the tone there is, is appalling because those are not fanboy comments about the three having some luxury appointments that the Bolt lacks, upgrading to uh, uh, autopilot version something, version two, version three, uh, the supercharging. Those are not fanboy comments. Those are facts. Facts. So this is this. You can see I'm getting I'm getting more upset as I read this. I mean this this piece reads like it is absolute. Like this guy is a hundred percent in Chevy's pocket, in Big Oil's pocket. It's it's just absurd. I mean I tell you I thought the New York Times was supposed to represent the pinnacle of journalism in this country, but I tell you the repeated absurd attacks against Tesla over the years. Anybody remember the John Broder controversy back when the S first came out? Clearly shows otherwise. So uh, shame on you, New York Times. Shame on you, Farad Manju. Uh, Awful journalism, awful piece of work. And uh, I can't believe that was allowed to run. I really can't believe that was allowed to run. Let's shift to a happier topic, shall we? A couple of tweets from Elon Musk this week that are that are relevant to everybody. Uh, he was asked you know, the the one the P100Ds started showing up this week. Uh, in fact, one of his tweets was he tweeted out a link to Drag Times. Uh, they already got their hands on one of the first P100Ds. A uh, and Elon tweeted out the link to it. It's some. Some guy that Brooks from Drag Times knows in Florida, and I'll tell you, this guy has got an unbelievable garage. If you watch the video, there are all sorts of cool cars up on lifts and everywhere. Uh, and he's got one of the first P100Ds. So uh, Brooks from Drag's, Drag Times, pardon me, d- uh, took this guy's car out, hooked it up to a V box. It is a P100D with 19-inch tires, no pano roof, just the metal, the body-colored roof. And sure enough, they ripped off a 2.5 second 0 to 60 time. And the full range charge, by the way, 318 miles. So that's pretty cool. And then Elon's other tweet, which was all in, sort of in reference to this, the 100 kilowatt hour thread, Elon actually said, quote, I think we will probably stop at 100 kilowatt hours on battery size. Now, I thought it was a bit odd of Elon to outright say this, but it's not really a surprise because they're already using voodoo magic to get so much into the 100 kilowatt pack. You've, you may have heard or read by now that it's like the, 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 same, the pack has, it crams 11% more energy into a pack that's only 4% heavier. They redesign like the, all the internals of the pack. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, uh, and the fact that when the P100D was announced, Elon had already said that Tesla is approaching the theoretical maximum that they can get from the, the 18650, the 18650 battery cell form factor. So the new 2170 cells that the Gigafactory is going to be producing and that are going to go into the Model 3 and no doubt into the SNX as well, uh, including the inevitable chemistry, cell chemistry improvements that those 2170 cells are going to have, those should allow 
for more efficiency within the same pack size moving forward. That's how I interpret Elon's comment there. And it makes sense because a bigger pack is more weight and Teslas are already really heavy cars, uh, primarily because of the battery pack. So um, don't look for a P110D or a P120D anytime in the immediate near future. Next story on the docket for this week is a Powerwall story. I don't really do much many Powerwall stories on this podcast, mostly because uh, Powerwall's been pretty quiet by and large, but this was, a, this was just a kind of out-of-nowhere story. Tesla went ahead and announced this. The Tesla Powerwall is going to be put to use in the greater Los Angeles area. It's, uh, they're using it to help ward off the potential for rolling blackouts following a state-mandated closure of the Aliso Canyon natural gas reservoir leak that forced the state to actually shut down that entire gas reservoir. Uh, So, here's Tesla's statement on it. Last week, through a competitive process, Tesla was selected to provide a 20-megawatt, 80-megawatt-hour power pack system at the Southern California Edison Miraloma substation. Tesla was the only bidder awarded a utility-owned storage project out of the solicitation. Upon completion, this system will be the largest lithium-ion battery storage project in the world. When fully charged, this system will hold enough energy to power more than 2,500 households for a day or charge 1,000 Tesla vehicles. This is a fantastic win for Tesla because they get to show off the potential of PowerPack on a relatively large scale in America's second biggest city, unless LA is number one over New York now in population. I'm not, I mean, it certainly is in size, in geographic spread. But, uh, but yeah, great, great stuff from Tesla. Good to see the Powerwall getting out there into some serious real-world use cases. So if you're in the greater Los Angeles area, down in, uh, if you're, I guess, near the, the Edison Miraloma substation, and any you get any you get hit with any rolling blackouts, the power wall is going to be there to make sure you don't feel the effects of that rolling blackout or brownout. And now I'm going to switch back. I'm going to switch back to a weird story. From uh, yeah, it's going to get weird again. So this is a story I would have never expected to cover on this podcast, and it comes via Bloomberg. I want to give them credit. Tesla Motors sued a man that it said was the chief financial officer of a firm that works for the oil industry, accusing him of trying, get this, of trying to impersonate Elon Musk in an email to get non-public data about the automaker. This is ridiculous. This is from Bloomberg. When Tesla disclosed its second quarter financial results on August 3rd, its finance chief, Jason Wheeler, received an email from Elon Tesla at yahoo.com, which I'm sure is, te- is Elon's address, requesting more detailed data than had been released earlier in the day, according to the lawsuit. Tesla said the email received by Wheeler was signed EM, just lowercase initials, no punctuation. It read, quote, and this is going to be a little tough, but... Uh, because there's a lot of bad spelling here, but why you so cautious with Q34 guidance on call? No question mark. What is your, you are, best guess as to where we actually come in on Q3 slash 4 deliverables? No question mark again. 
Honest best guess, uh, pardon me, honest best guess, period, no BS, period. That was the email that was attempting to pass itself off as Elon Musk. Tesla believes the email was part of an oil industry effort to undermine Tesla's push for energy-efficient transportation alternatives, according to the complaint. Tesla said in that complaint, quote, In recent years, oil companies have spent billions of dollars on legislative efforts and campaigns aimed at blocking progress toward electric cars and other sustainable energy solutions in the United States and abroad. Are you, are you guys... I mean, I, I, I can't even... Like, my head is exploding. How dumb... Is that oil company lackey? Does he really believe that Elon Musk writes emails like that? I mean, given how, I'll tell you, I will say, given how busy Elon is all the time, I could see him writing in some sort of shorthand and maybe not going back and correcting every typo. But trust me, as a journalist of 14 years with a journalism degree, that idiotic shorthand that I just read you is not something that Elon Musk would ever would ever write. That's not how a guy like that operates or anyone except someone doing doing something dumb like this uh, like this. So I hope Tesla wins this lawsuit. I'm sure you know if it is oil industry backed, it won't matter because they have unlimited supplies of money, but it'll it can at least be a public black eye for the oil industry and a little, you know, a little sympathy for Tesla being subjected to such a, a ridiculous, stupid attempt at undermining them. <sighs> Speaking of nutty stories, we're on the la- we're up to the last story, uh, by the way. So it's it's almost over, folks. This the, the madness of this week. Mobileye, who of course have been the providers of Tesla's autopilot hardware up until very, very recently, uh, they're not taking the breakup very well. You heard on the clips that I played you from Elon Musk at the top of the near the top of the show, you heard Elon reference Tesla Vision. That is the name of their uh, their autopilot system. That is that is now their in-house system. Mobile. They are no longer using Mobileye and. You know they've they've been uh, they've been sniping at each other ever since the parting of ways, and uh, for instance, Mobileye said when Tesla did you know when Tesla stopped using them, Mobileye accused Tesla of quote pushing the envelope in terms of safety, and it's gotten to the point where Tesla's actually had to issue a statement on the matter, and it is this. Recent statements made by Mobileye about Tesla Autopilot are inaccurate. Here are the facts. Mobileye had knowledge of and collaboration with Tesla on Autopilot functionality for the past three years. Tesla has been developing its own vision capability in-house for some time with the goal of accelerating performance improvements. After learning that Tesla would be deploying this product, Mobileye attempted to force Tesla to discontinue this development pay them more, and use their products in future hardware. In late July, when it became apparent to Mobileye that Tesla planned to use its own vision software in future autopilot platforms, Mobileye made several demands of Tesla in exchange for continuing supply of first-generation hardware. So listen, listen back to that again. That is Mobileye saying, okay, you're going to bail on us? Well, we're going to blackmail you into 
into into the following demands that I'm about to read you, or else we're going to just withhold your hardware that you need now. That's insane. So it's the following things. Mobileye was demanding that Tesla, uh, uh, raising the price of their product retroactively, demanding an agreement to extremely unfavorable terms of sale, demanding that Tesla not use data that was collected by its vehicle's cameras for any purpose other than helping Mobileye develop its products, and requiring that Tesla collaborate on Tesla Vision and source future vision processing from them until at least level four autonomy. That's unreal. The statement finishes, when Tesla refused to cancel its own vision development activities and plans for deployment, Mobileye discontinued hardware support for future platforms and released public statements implying that this discontinuance was motivated by safety concerns. So uh, Mobileye, another company run by dummies. And let me tell you why I think that. Because doesn't it seem awfully short-sighted and dumb of Mobileye to respond this way? If I were another car company doing business with Mobileye, and there are probably plenty of them, because Mobileye obviously has a, a pretty good product. It's good enough for Tesla to have been using for the last couple of years. But if I were another automaker and I were in business with Mobileye and I saw this go down, I would think twice about that business relationship when I saw how childish and unprofessional they are acting with Tesla. So Mobileye, I hope it's I hope this uh, this temper tantrum uh, has been worth it. And that's the end of the news this week. What a, what a wild week, right? I mean, just a, just a bunch of crazy stuff. My goodness. I've got, uh, let's see here, one, two, three. What are we doing? We're doing three excellent phone calls, three more excellent calls for you in the Ride to Lightning hotline. Coming up right after this short little musical break, let me gather myself here, take a sip of water, be right back. It is time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, the part of the show where it's your part of the show. You can call in, leave a message anytime, day or night. It's a toll-free number that you can call or Skype to. If you've got a question, a comment, a discussion topic, I would love to hear from you. And obviously, with all of the news we just went through this week, all of Elon's comments about uh, Software 8.0 and the radar-based autopilot and the the lawsuit and the... Uh, the New York Times article, all this stuff, the Bolt having the, you know, getting the 238 miles of EPA range. Call in. Let's have, let's, let's talk more about it next week. Let's keep the discussion going. Uh, the toll-free number, again, is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA on the touchtone or Skype. And, of course, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Let's go first this week to Rebecca from nearby Palo Alto. That's uh, Palo Alto is where I reserve my Model 3, camped out overnight. Rebecca uh, reminds me that I, in fact, I, I, she was she's responding to the fact that I, I was mentioning how much I love Pandora 
And she's reminding me that I, in fact, can use Pandora in my future Tesla. Rebecca, go ahead. Hi, Ryan, Rebecca, and Palo Alto. I heard you ask on your podcast whether you'd be able to play Pandora on your car. And I'm pretty sure that you can do so. Pretty much anything you can play on your phone, you can play on your car right now, today, through the Bluetooth interface. And it's really straightforward and generally works. So I just wanted to leave you that little note. I am enjoying your podcast. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you for the call, Rebecca. And you're right, of course. You are correct. But uh, for me, I just I don't want to have to fumble for the phone to control Pandora, which, by the way, as you, as you know, being in California, also, if you fumble for the phone, it puts you at risk of getting a distracted driving ticket. I was just talking to Greg, a Model S owner friend of mine the other day, and he was saying uh, he's had two of them recently just from just from looking down at his phone like there i guess there's a there's a particularly bad stretch in his commute that he's been he's been hit at so um i guess what i what i should have been more clear about when i was talking about pandora is i want to be able to use pandora through the car's touchscreen through that nice big 15 inch screen that won't get me a distracted driving ticket versus the you know five and a half inch screen i have to look down for uh, on my iphone but uh, there is also, of course, I mean, if Tesla were to see fit to do an official Pandora app the way they have Slacker uh, and soon Spotify, now I would love that. Or remember, there's the, the giant virtual phone screen that Elon has hinted at for the future as well. So any of that would work. I would prefer to just be able to do it through the car's big screen. That is my goal. But you're right, though. It will. I will at least be able to use Pandora in the car somehow, even if it's just through the Bluetooth through my phone. So, Rebecca, thank you for that call. Let's go now to David, who would love to see Tesla do a documentary on the making of Model 3. He's, uh, he, he was inspired by hearing about Morgan Freeman and Morgan Freeman's Tesla love last week, uh, and he wants to hear Morgan Freeman talk more Tesla. So, David, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is David. Enjoy your show. I just listened to your last podcast uh, where you discussed Morgan Freeman, and I kind of had a wacky idea that maybe you can help put together. I'm hoping that um, Tesla and Elon Musk are going to do a documentary on the making of the Model 3. And I was thinking this crazy thought, how totally cool it would be to have Morgan Freeman be the host and narrator of that documentary with his obvious love uh, for Tesla and Elon and his excitement, I think it would be uh, pretty cool. Um, but anyway, uh, maybe you could start some sort of letter campaign. Who knows? Thought it'd be kind of a crazy idea. Uh, enjoy your show a lot. Take care and say hi to the dog. Maggie the Boxer. Bye. Thanks for the call, David. And uh, hey, hey, Maggie, David says hi. Okay, she looked up, David. She's 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 made us made herself a little pillow out of a blanket on the couch. She looks actually you look really comfortable. I should just lay down there and and just do the show like I'm on a like I'm on a psychiatrist's couch. It looks like it would be more comfortable. Anyway, uh it's funny you bring this up, David, only because I've actually had the same thought. I've thought about the same thing. My idea, I guess this is because I come from a journalism background and I'm a writer. My idea is that I would love to have embedded myself at Tesla 
for the last couple years and written a book covering the, the Model 3's entire development. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in Palo Alto, at, at HQ, at Fremont, the factory, at Hawthorne, at the design studio. I would love to have been a fly on the wall during the project, talking to everybody involved, documenting what, and, and you know, just documenting what I think is going to be an, his, an historically significant car. Now, of course, I'd have had to quit my job to do that, which isn't realistic when you've got a family to support and you're living in San Francisco. And, of course, there's the small matter of the fact that uh, they hadn't exactly asked me anyway. But, uh, but I'll tell you, for all I know, maybe someone is doing that very project, either a book or, as you suggest, a film documentary. I do agree, either one would be incredible and something that, that I would love to show my daughter when she's older. And I could show her the film or show her the book, whatever the case were, and say, <clears throat> see this movie, kiddo? This was where the automotive industry finally turned the corner into a better future. I would love to be able to do that. I think that would be great. So we'll see. If, if we're lucky, maybe there is somebody, either a film crew and or an author that's been embedded at Tesla for, for the last couple of years. We'll see. But I love that idea, David. Third and final call in the Ride the Lightning Hotline section comes to us from Eric down in Australia. Uh, he wanted to comment on the supercharging credits that we were talking about recently, and he has an idea for uh, how to solve one of the potential problems there. So, Eric, take it away. Thank you, Ryan. This is Eric from Wollongong, Australia, just a little bit south from Sydney. I wanted to make a comment on the Tesla's plan to charge for supercharger usage for vehicles that do not have the always free option, as may be the case with the upcoming Model 3, which we are eagerly waiting for as well. Um, it was discussed previously that there is a possibility of congestion if people charge 200% or are tardy in moving their car after it has reached the amount of charge that they need. What about if Tesla was to charge per minute according to the length of time that the car is connected to the supercharger? This would discourage unnecessarily charging to 100%, as that takes much longer than charging to 80%, and it would encourage for people to disconnect and move their car as soon as they have acquired the amount of charge that they need. Uh, there's possibly flaws in this thing, or maybe it's a great idea. Either way, I would appreciate your feedback and comments on that. Thanks for the great show, Ryan, and I try to listen every week as I can. Bye for now. Eric, I think your idea is extremely sound. Uh, you're right. It would absolutely discourage unnecessary charging up to 100%. And encourage people to move along if you if you did it uh, if you charge people by the minute. There's one significant flaw that I see in it though, and that here's here's the problem. If you're on the B side of a supercharger, because every supercharger has the A side and the B side, the A side gets the faster charging rate. So if you happen to be on the B side. Uh, it would it would honest it would seem unfair to penalize you just because you had to pull up to the B side of a stall. 
So I think that's the flaw in what is otherwise a really, really good idea. Now, if Tesla could somehow solve that issue and make, make the, the charging rate the same no matter which side of the stall you pull up to, then I think your idea could totally, absolutely work. Uh, thanks to all of you for the calls this week. Again, I'd uh, love to refill the Ride the Lightning hotline. Been, been uh, saving a couple of calls, a couple of the excess calls for the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode that'll be coming up again in a couple weeks. But again, with all the stuff to talk about this week, would love to hear from you. So just give a call anytime. You know, try to keep it to about you know a minute, minute and a half or so. It is a toll-free call. You can call or Skype, and it's one 888 And I'll be right back to wrap things up for you right after this, as Maggie the Boxer chugs chugs her water over there. All right, time to wrap up another episode. I remind you that uh, if you enjoy the show, you get a lot out of it every week. If you've been with me for a while... I would be mighty grateful if you would at least take a look at the Patreon page that is there to support the show and my time and energy that goes into it. Uh, of course, if, you, if you've heard the whole show this week and the, the Elon Musk media call clips, you hear me typing away, that's, uh, that's, that's the work. You're hearing how the podcast sausage gets made. Those were notes taken a week ago, and you know, there's, there's plenty of time and, and love that goes into this. I love doing it, but yeah, you know, just... Take a look at the Patreon if, if you feel so inclined. It's patreon.com slash Podcast, and uh, maybe consider a pledge. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The referral program is running for one more month up through October 15th, and I'm very grateful and pleased to say that we're up to four referrals for Kevin Rapp, who is uh, he's very happy with his brand new P85+. Plus. Well, brand new to him that he purchased. So, uh, Kevin, congrats on that delivery. So if we can get one more referral at least, Kevin can get those rare 21-inch arachnid wheels. You can get $1,000 off of a Tesla. And I get, through Kevin's generosity, the entry into the drawing for the ludicrous Model X. So everybody wins. If you'd like $1,000 off of a Tesla, if you're intending to buy one, please use this referral code. Just punch this into your browser. It's a short link, and it's ts.la slash kevin4901. That's ts.la slash kevin4901. Follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan, or you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter is fantastic. I highly encourage you to sign up for it. You get a, a one email every Friday morning that uh, has a quick link to some headlines from the week in Tesla. Sign up for free at teslaweekly.com. Uh, Gene and the team at teslarati.com, they also do a wonderful job of staying on top of all things Tesla. Check out their site for you guys. So if you are a Tesla owner, or even if you're not, they have some stuff like lanyards, um, the, just, you know, for owners and non-owners alike, but, uh, take a look. So there it's abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTL podcast, which of course stands for ride the lightning podcast, RTL podcast, use that code at checkout and you will get 20% off of your order. So thank you so much to the team at abstractocean.com for offering up that coupon code and something tangibly awesome 
for my audience. I really, really appreciate that, and I hope you guys check out the site and, and uh, maybe grab yourself some Tesla goodies, whether you're an owner or not. Finally, I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are the amazing folks that donate. Uh, they pledge $20 or more per month. I want to thank Jeff Bartram. Uh, by the way, uh, speedy recovery from your back surgery, Jeff. I've been seeing your tweets, of course. I hope you're, uh, you're, back, you're literally back on your feet uh, in no time. Jeff Bartram, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Nick Hoffman, Ralph Weiss, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, uh, and, uh, and just everybody. I want to thank, I'm going to just thank everybody for listening in general, but I am going to go have a birthday and hopefully have a nice meal. I've noticed it's, for me, as I get older, that's how I like to spend my birthdays. It's not about, like, I literally, I don't need presents because I'm, I'm very lucky to have most of the things that I want in the sense of, well, I, I get free video games from, which is a perk of IGN. That's actually what I would probably spend my money on if I didn't work where I work. But really, the only, you know, because the Tesla is the, is the thing, like, that's what I want. But, and I'm just working hard towards that. So how I like to actually spend my birthdays these days is just eating good food. That's, I don't know how you guys are, but. But that's kind of my, my birthday thing now is it's like, oh, I get to circle that day on the calendar and go to a restaurant that I really like. So hopefully it'll be a fun birthday. Uh, hope you just have a great week. It is the official end of summer. Fall officially starts next week. My goodness. So for a, uh, a very relaxed Maggie the Boxer who's currently, oh, you're looking at me now because you heard your name. For Maggie the Boxer... My name is Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much. This has been Ride the Lightning, the unofficial Tesla Motors podcast, episode 59, and I'll see you all for episode 60, episode 60 next week. All right, happy electric motoring, everybody.